Hello, welcome to Talk with Christians. Ben, why don't you tell us about yourself? I'm Ben Grady. I'm from South Haven, Mississippi, now in Calgary, Alberta, with my wife and little girl. I have a Warriors of the Cross Facebook group uh, where we share Bible content daily. And um, hopefully that will be beneficial for you. I hope that you will join us there. You got to go, you know, for a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, hey, Devin, tell us about yourself. I'm Devin Rausch. I'm from Worcester, Ohio, and I'm working with the church here, Burbank Road Church of Christ. Uh, been preaching there for about three years now, working That's with the Christians here and balancing, you know, family life and secular work and all that. So keeps me busy. Right on. Yeah, it's cool. Robert, how about you? Uh, my name is Robert Gwynn. I'm one of the ministers with the Decatur Church of Christ in Decatur, Alabama. My One of my role or my primary role is dealing with evangelism and outreach. Uh, the elders brought me and another man on board here for the whole purpose of where you see a trend that needs to be changing. Let's do something about it. And so I'm very privileged to be part of the work that I am here. Yeah, and that's been like uh, probably very with this new COVID and all that stuff. You're just out there on the on the on the edge, the cutting edge, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, COVID's definitely put a wrench in a few things and made us have to think differently. We actually have a, a good old fashioned tent meeting coming up here in August. Awesome! Uh, so we're trying to figure that all out. <laughs> well, you can have it be like all clear, and everybody goes outside the tent. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Robert. Well, uh, my name is Titus uh, Blair. I'm an evangelist in New Zealand with the church here and um, just spreading the good news, trying to be a light here in this area. And uh, it's exciting and fun to be in the kingdom working. So today we're going to talk about uh, a create in me a clean heart. And there's a really cool song with this one, too, that I like that we sing a lot. But um, this one is from this particular topic comes from Psalms 51 verses 10 through 13. So we can read that right now. Psalm 51, 10 through 13 says, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy glorious spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee. So uh, this is awesome because the, as our topic today is created in me a clean heart, this gives us a kind of a recipe and, a, and ideas of what that means. So let's talk about this one. What do you guys, what are some thoughts you guys have just, you know, off, off the cuff from your head after reading this verse, thinking about it? What are some thoughts you guys have about Psalm 51 and create in me a clean heart? It stands out to you. The first thing <laughs> that comes to my mind is I instantly get transported back to when I was growing up in the youth group. We sung this song, and when I realized that this was an actual psalm, it took on a whole new meaning. And it was fantastic because this is the, the wonderful thing about the psalms is if you ever want to know how to handle human emotion and your relationship to God, go to the psalms. You will learn how to pray. You will learn how to talk to God. And this is probably one of those most sincere moments that you find David communicating his feelings before God. And it's, it parallels with the new Testament in acts two, I believe when you read there in verse 37 and they were cut to the heart. And 
David's cut to the heart here. And if we're ever convicted of sin, here you go. And so what do I need to do about this? And it immediately deals with the relationship between you and God. And I need to rely on him rather than, well, let me pull myself up by my own bootstraps and uh, try to take care of it myself. Yeah, that's good. I like that you said it deals with human emotion. Like Psalms is a good place to go for that because some people maybe not may not know that, that you could go there and read it and hear the heart of David, right? That's good. How about you, Devin? Well, you know, if you look at the context of the psalm, um, we understand that he penned these words um, after he had committed probably his most famous of, of errors. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot, a lot there to think about just in regards to the fact that we're all human beings and we all have the same problem and nobody is exempt from that. Uh, we have these heroes of faith, right, that we that we look to in the Bible as such positive examples. And I really like I really like David just because we see that even this man after God's own heart, uh, he still sinned. And, you know, it wasn't just like uh, what we might consider a, a white lie or, you know, some kind of not a big deal type type situation. I mean, these were pretty serious things. And of course we understand God's eyes, sin is sin, but um, these are pretty heinous things that he, that he does. Uh, but one of the beautiful things about it is we see that when he comes to that realization that I've sinned, you know, Nathan says, you're the man. Uh, he immediately has this, penitence about him and he he wants to make it right and we see that expressed here is you know he wants to be clean he wants to be holy as god is holy and he's he's asking god for that cleansing and um like robert said it it kind of foreshadows uh the cleanness that we can have through the blood of christ and through his sacrifice and so uh, i think it's just um it's kind of a, a humbling thing to read because, uh, again, you know, we, we often look to David as such a powerful example of faith and, you know, he f fights and conquers Goliath and all this, but yet uh, he still sinned and made some pretty serious mistakes. But the important thing is that he, he always turned back to God and, and sought to make correction, and, and we have to emulate that as well. Yeah, it's awesome. And those of you who are listening who may not know much about David— um, what Devin's talking about is that David actually, he cheated on his wife and then he had that person he cheated on, uh, his, her husband killed, like literally did some things to kill him. So it wasn't like a little, you know, slap on the wrist. It was a pretty, very serious back-to-back -back crime. So this is what, um, Devin's talking about. And he felt, he felt, uh, this way about it, uh, when he was confronted with it. And you should read that story, by the way, uh, those of you who are, who are listening. Look up the story about David because it's a very good story. And it's a lot of us. Uh, you know, if we think, oh, we're so bad or we've done the, these bad things and no one else can can do that. You know, like no one else can forgive me. Just look at David's life. You know, he murdered people. He cheated on his wife. He did all these things. So don't think because you've done bad things that you're the worst because there's we are all we're all bad. <laughs> When you compare the, the number one to zero, there's no gap between them. You know, you're, you're either a one or a zero. So all, all of sin and we're all zeros, you know, God makes us a one. 
So, uh, Ben, go ahead. What's up? So, yeah, I mean, we, <clears throat> we're all marred by sin. You know, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need to um, make that relationship right again, you know, um, and be right in his sight. And he's given us all we need to do um, to do that. Um, David, David clearly had sinned. And, you know, it took, you know, uh, this man coming to him to tell him and explain to him what he had done wrong for him to really piece it together in his mind and go and realize, you know, hey, I've got a sin problem, something I need to fix. And he immediately, you know, once he realizes he wants to make it right. And, you know, that's the kind of heart that we should have as Christians. We should be very penitent. And when we sin, we should acknowledge it and then, you know, make it right, get it right with God. And um, I think that's something that sometimes we don't do. And sometimes, you know, obviously sin weighs heavily on us in different ways. Um, psychologically, you know, physically, it, it can be a burden for us, you know, it can affect our relationships and affect people around us. So if we don't fix it, we're hurting ourselves. Ultimately, the Lord wants us the best for us, right? He's going to do everything in his power to do the best for us. And he's given us this uh, way out uh, for that reason, because he loves us. You know, Jesus came because he loves us and he died on the cruel cross. He went through all that because he loves us. He wants the best for us. And for that reason, we should love him. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you ever, if you, anybody's ever gone to an event and you're supposed to dress a certain way and then you get there and you realize, whoa, everybody's dressed a lot nicer than me. Right. Uh, uh, think of it this way. Um, you might feel your heart's dirty. Like we all, when we compare ourselves to God, when you get to, when you find like the Bible, let's say you've never read it before and you read the Bible and you learn about Jesus and you learn about God, you kind of realize, wow, I'm, I'm, my heart's dirty. And that's why we're see, seeing creating me a clean heart. We dirty up our mm -hmm. heart by being doing all these things in our life. We mess our lives up because we don't have a guide. Maybe we don't know what we're supposed to do. So we get real dirty. And I know a lot of you and I myself have felt this way. Uh, dirty hearts. And you feel, you know, when you dirty your heart up, you can't clean it yourself. It's kind of, kind of like taking muddy hands and trying to clean yourself off. <laughs> it doesn't work. You have to be washed from outside, right? And so this is what David's asking about. He knows he had a clean, uh, a dirty heart. He wants to be clean. And so uh, that's kind of what this is cool is he's asking for that. And you can too, as a listener and watcher. And uh, we got Chris in, he was coming in. Chris, can you hear us? I can hear you, can you hear me? Hey, Chris. Yeah, if you wanna turn your video on, you can too. What you can do is just tell us who you are, your name, where you're from, and then what you're doing in the kingdom. And then you can go right into this part, which is tell us reading Psalm 51. Like, what are some thoughts that you have reading this? You know, how does this connect with you and in your life? and even in this moment today. Right, man, Titus, it's great to be here and I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm down here in Texas, East Texas, and just uh, been working down here about five years and there's some great Christians. We've got a lot going on, but I'm so thankful to be a part of this. When you mentioned we were talking about the heart, I knew we were doing something important. If we don't start with the heart, then we can't really build anything that lasts. We can't change anything. Uh, I've been talking a lot and preaching lately about being a donut. You know, or you have everything around you, right? You go to church on Sundays, you take the Lord's Supper, you know, all this stuff's right. But in the middle where a heart ought to be, where the true passion for Christ ought to be, there's nothing there, just a bunch of ritual, just a bunch of that. So when you talk about David changing his life, I'm so glad you chose this man. And I just, I love being a part of it. And I'm glad to join these other guys to talk about how all change starts, starts right there with your emotions and your passion for God. Yeah, and you cannot mention donuts because I will want to eat one after the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's really good. 
there. <laughs> That's a good one though, because you know donuts real real looks real nice on the outside. It's got that glazing. It looks delicious. But like you said, if you don't have the heart in the middle, it's it's nothing. You know, you can't if you don't complete that with the heart. It, it's a uh, it's just a donut. <laughs> awesome. Well, glad you're here, Chris and uh, Ben, Devin, and Robert. So happy that you guys are here. Let's let's go into some questions now that people have, and we'll also be looking for questions. But uh, we're talking about creating me a clean heart. And um, a lot of people who listen and watch may feel like, you know, what is a clean heart? Here's the question. What is a clean heart and a right spirit? What does that mean? Because remember, we have listeners and, and viewers who, are, who, who know about the Bible, who don't know about the Bible. Just think about people from all over the world. And they want to know what's a clean heart mean? What does that mean? Uh, and then a right spirit. And then how do I get a clean heart and a right spirit? This is what I would ask too, right? If you know you're dirty, how do you get clean? So who wants to kind of talk about this one? And you all, you all can each take a chance to do it. So whoever wants to go first, go ahead, Ben, and then Chris. Gotcha. All right. David asked, um, you know, for endurance to remain faithful, basically, you know, and he, he wants a clean, fresh start. He wants to have his conscience clear that he's right with God. My sins have been forgiven. I, I'm, I'm clean, pure, um, humble, you know, um, so many things that we could look at, like when it comes to these aspects of what we should have as a heart you think about when you when you are young and, and innocent and then you sin and how that affects your life especially when it's a big sin you know something that really is detrimental look down on problematic in your life and you know and then we it affects us it affects how others look at it sometimes you know maybe before so when we come out and say hey look you know i want to make this right with you guys and we try to not only you know when you comes to an individual, you go to them and say, hey, you know, I wanna, I, I, I'm sorry I sinned against you. And you're trying to clear the air there. You're trying to make everything at least as good as you can uh, to heal that uh, relationship. So when it comes to this with God, when we sinned, we've marred that relationship with God. So we want to heal that relationship. We, and in his case, we can do it perfectly, you know, um, so it's just a beautiful thing that we can we can have that, and and He's given us that through the through His Word. Awesome, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Jesus, right? Exactly. How about you, Chris? Thanks, Ben. That was a great time. So nice to meet you, Ben. Thanks. That was that's really good. I when I see heart, I think about the inside. I, I don't think about the actual thing that happened, the physical thing. We know mm -hmm. what He did. Well documented what He did. And you know, everybody here knows that when God selected him, what did He say about David? He said, this is a man after my own heart. It's a tremendous study. There are a lot of ideas there. But God saw that there was a purity within him that had the potential to do great good from the inside out, like because he wanted to, because he loved God. And I think it's really wise of David here to not just say, Lord, forgive me for the thing that I did and help me not to do that thing again. I mean, we, we pray about that a lot and it doesn't change. I think there's a recognition in David that, you know what? I had this heart that really just wanted to honor you, and I totally lost that. I was blinded by lust in my heart. I was blinded by rage and, you know, justification. And that's all inside, that's all inside stuff. And he said, Lord, I'm asking for a clean heart from the inside out, from the thing that used to be what it ought to be. I'm asking you to fix that because the truth is, until we we rend our hearts and we open them and we let God back in and we're just like really moved by a relationship with God. 
you can like preach all the pornography sermons that you want. People do well for about three days. You can preach all the marriage improvement or let's talk about David, you know, adultery. And, you know, they'll feel bad a little while, but people don't change from the outside in. They don't change a thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I know I did that because God is great. You got to start with that. So I don't want to overplay the hard thing, but I think that there's a reason why he's noted as a man with a great heart. And he's honest that at his core, something has changed and he needs God to change that back. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we're and when we're talking about heart, everybody, we're talking about the, the your, your heart inside and not your physical heart. It's the heart in you that loves people, the heart of you that feels bad or, or you know, feels the pain of others' pain. And it's that part of you that kind of makes you who you are is, is your heart is that that's your drive for loving others, helping others, hurting others, <laughs> all those things. So just want to clear that up for your listening. This is not about your physical heart, although your physical heart will be impacted by how your spiritual or whatever way heart is. You know, if it's, if it's depressed and sad and angry, it's going to affect your body. But uh, yes, that's good, Chris. Thanks, man. Devin, how about you? Uh, kind of playing off what Chris was saying there, it just reminded me of uh, what Paul wrote there in 2 Corinthians 7. And he's he's referring there, and I want to read all of it, but uh, he's talking to them about things that he had written to them previously. You go back to 1 Corinthians, and you read throughout that entire epistle, and it's pretty scathing often. Uh, his rebuke against things that they weren't doing quite right. And uh, in that first first uh, epistle, he he spent some time talking about their need to withdraw from a certain individual who had been caught up in some pretty um, serious sin. And they were pretty much just kind of going along with it, condoning it, uh, even celebrating it, if, if we can imagine such a thing. Uh, but as he rebukes them, time goes on, and then he kind of revisits uh, the congregation there, and he's um, saying, uh, I'll just start reading about verse 8 there of Second Corinthians 7. He says, even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. I rejoice now, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you are made sorry, when it, sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but sorrow of the world produces death. So he makes this contrast, and I, I think it gets back to this, this point that's, that's been made about um, the heart and changing from the inside out. You know, we, we've all felt bad when we've got caught doing something we shouldn't um and oftentimes people have that worldly sorrow uh, they feel bad because well you know now my scheme has fallen apart and now i can't keep going with whatever it was i was i was doing but then as you know things kind of die down and then yet another opportunity might present itself to kind of get involved in a very similar thing and now nobody's watching or maybe now they're thinking well i'm going to take extra precautions so that i don't get caught this this next time uh, and they just go right back into the same type of thing and that's that's this worldly sorrow he's talking about that, that's not cleaning the heart that's just kind of trying to clean the outside 
to appear as though something has changed, but really uh, the same problem exists inside. And so, you know, to the credit of the ones that he's writing to here, he's ex he's expressing, you know, you were, you know, going back to what uh, I believe it was Robert that had pointed out about there in Acts chapter two, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. Uh, they recognized that they had sinned against God, that they were at odds with their creator, and they wanted desperately to correct that. I think it's safe to say that unless we truly desire to be right with God and truly have that as our number one goal, um, we might make some positive changes here and there that might last for a certain duration, but ultimately we're not going to make any, any kind of true and lasting commitment or change. Robert, what do you got to say about it? Well, my mind also went to the Corinthian letters, um, but I went to 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10, and maybe some of y'all did too. As, as you look at this, what is a clean heart and a right spirit? So we've already talked about this is the innermost part of us, what drives us, what motivates us, these other things. And Paul later on writing to the Corinthians hits this right on the nose. And that is for godly grief, verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 7, for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter okay pure uh i believe a synonym for that is clean the bible is its best commentary in many ways as you consider let's make the new testament and old testament complement each other here and here david points out what what does it take well he is actually showing us by example he is cut to the heart he desires deeply to be forgiven but there's this conscience thing that's going on. Mentally accepting forgiveness is hard. Mm -hmm. It is easy to say, okay, God forgives me, but it's harder to forgive ourselves. And so it's that ever-growing process that's going to lead us to, if we're seeking a clean and pure heart, if we are truly repenting, then we're not going to have regret along the way because we're seeking to, what is it going to take to get rid of that guilt. And this was actually the second verse that I thought about as we were looking at this. My mind first went to the second question there on how do we get a clean heart and a right spirit? Um, but it ties with this same notion, and that's in First Peter chapter 3. And you remember towards the end of that section there, um, he begins paralleling Noah and salvation. And look, if you look there in your scripture, First uh, Peter chapter three verse twenty one, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God, Jesus Christ, who has gone to heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to Him. Um, sometimes we may not teach it, but it is easy for us to practice or mentally act this way that. Well, once someone enters the water, it's a one and done deal. And that's not the case. What, what's going on? There's nothing special in the water. I mean, have you seen some baptistries? 
they haven't been clean in a while. Um, I personally was immersed in a creek uh, when I was very young. And so I, I don't know what was swimming there. I don't know what was living in it, but I definitely know that that water was not clean. It was not pure. Uh, yes, it was in the mountains of New Mexico, but hey, there's no telling on the microscopic level what was in there. The water itself does not make me clean. It was what I was doing that does. And it's because I read the scriptures. I come to the conviction. I need to be right before God. So what, what is a clean heart? What is a right spirit? It's the idea of at least before God. And in the context of this verse, going in the path that he wants us to. And and I bring this up here because I know I've talked with several people who uh, later on in life, I was immersed at the age of 10. And so I can speak to this, that later on, I would kind of scratch my hands. Like, did I know the scriptures? Did I live a faithful life? And so I was immersed later on. Now, when did God add me to the church according to Acts chapter two? Honestly, I don't know. But what what's the whole point? Why do I bring this up? My conscience at that moment in time later in life needed to be cleaned. There is no doubt now that I've done what is necessary. And in the same case now, as we look at this scripture, what is a clean heart? What is a right spirit? The right spirit is a penitent one motivated by godliness to to please God and to do the right thing. Um, And whatever that next right thing is, we go to the scriptures to figure that out and that's what we find that David's doing is he's writing this psalm for us to look at later and see, hey, I've royally messed up. And there is another note, if you go back to Psalm 51, that I noticed uh, that caught my attention as we're going through all of these things. Uh, look at the verse that says, and renew a right spirit within me. So he's already had a previous relationship with God. And he's royally mm-hmm. messed it up. Mm-hmm. So for those who are listening and may may re- think to themselves, I'm a Christian, but I'm not living the Christian life. This speaks not just to those who need to get in a relationship with God. It speaks to those of us who need to renew our relationship with God. And so this goes deep on a level of us understanding, I need a clean heart. And that's going to be hard unless we are honest with ourselves or are we just the donut? Yeah. <laughs> Tasty on the outside, but full of air on the inside. Yeah, That's going to be the theme, the whole show, man. No. <laughs> well, and also in like first John uh, one seven, he says, um, but if we live in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin, you know, fellowship with Jesus. How many of you listening or watching the show say bad language around your grandma? Our little kids. I've noticed throughout my my life that people change the, the what they do and how they say based upon the audience. You know, like if it's your grandma, you're not going to be a certain way because grandma's good and she's pure and you don't want to let her hear all the bad things about you. So you change when you come in the presence of grandma, when you come into her presence or a child. You see, that's what David's talking about here is he says, when, he, when you come before the presence of God, when you know God, you don't want to be this way. It's not, you don't, you're not trying to like mm-hmm. fake it and say, Hey God, you know, I'll make sure I'm right with you. You know, you say, I am so dirty. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I deserve to go to hell because seeing you, God, and knowing you, God, and your love, 
I'm not worthy to be loved by you. This is where David is. He's saying, look, I, my heart is what everything about me is impure. So clean it. And my spirit within me, it's not right. You know, like put it back to where it was. And, and this is all of us, everybody, when you're listening, this is all of us. We, we, our hearts can be dirty. We might not have a right spirit. The only difference between a Christian or someone who follows Jesus and someone who doesn't is that we turn and follow Jesus. We get back up and we follow Jesus. We help everybody around us who are Christians get up and keep following Jesus. And those who fall down in the dirt and don't follow Jesus, they die in the dirt. And that's that's where we're all going to die. If you don't follow Jesus, you're going to die in the dirt because you have given up. You've, you've, you decide to live in the darkness. And you know what? You don't have to do that. You can have a pure heart no matter what you've done. I mean, by the way, we, we as Robert was mentioning, Paul murdered many, many Christians, people who said they were Christians, you know, the people who were following Jesus. He murdered them. And then he turned. So if you think you're not worthy or that you cannot be a Christian, you, 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 it's wrong. You can. Because David murdered a man and committed adultery. Paul murdered Christians, people who are Jesus followers. He actually hurt. He killed women. He killed he, he disrupted families. So you can do it too. There's nothing. Only evil itself will tell you you're not worthy or you can't approach God. God says you can approach me through my son. But we're talking, we talked about the clean heart. Let's go to the next question, though, uh, which is coming up. <clears throat> and that is, uh, what is the joy of God's salvation? Because I thought that was, this was a good part of the. So he wants to have a, a clean heart. He wants to have a renewed spirit. But it's for a reason, right? It's There's something here that he says. Um, how does God help hold me with the spirit? What is the joy of God's <clears throat> salvation? What do you guys have a, about that one? Well, I think that proximity is the key here. David had the ability to know that God was always in the room. There's never a single place that you are that God is not there with you. If you choose to live a life of sin, it's not like you're over here and God's over there. He's still right there in the room. He's watching it happen. He's experiencing it with you and he's feeling that. And that's the sorrow of sin, really, is knowing that God is right there with me. And his hand is upon me in a negative way. You guys know this. You're good guys in the scriptures. You know that Psalm 31 or Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 match, right? Psalm 32 is the same story about David. And I live in Texas, so I can speak to this. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, he didn't say, God, you were like two states away. He said, your hand was upon me, draining out my vitality like the fever heat of summer. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't function. I was stifled because you were still there, God. You were there, but your hand, instead of like Ezra kept saying, instead of your hand being on me, uplifting me and guiding me and protecting me, your hand is pushing down on me. And so a good heart, and not everybody can see this, but a good and honest heart can feel the presence of God at all times. He's here. And when you sin, you feel the regression of God's judgment, which exists. So the opposite of that is what repentance does. When David repented, the joy was knowing not that God is now next to me. He was next to you the entire time. The Lord is near, Philippians 4.4. 4. I think that means he's in the room. Uh, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age, Matthew 28. But the difference is God removes his hand from suppressing your peace. And he begins to, you have uphold here, so I like your wording. He begins to uphold me. He lifts me up and he holds me and he helps me forward. And the joy of knowing, and this was Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice even when I'm in prison. How? Because the Lord is here and he's providing a support and a peace. 
So it's not like repent so God can be near you. He's here. Repent so the power of his hands will not hold you down and keep you from blessings, but they become this supporting factor. And when you, from the heart, that's what I mean by from the heart, like that's not tangible. I can't point to that or take a picture of it. But when I understand the experience of what God's hand can do, I'm upheld by it. What can happen? Uh, I have no anxiety. I live with peace because of these that he possesses and he puts upon me. That's good, man. Awesome. Devin, Robert, Ben, what do you got? As far as the, the joy of God's salvation, there's so many things when you don't have God, you know, kind of to borrow what, uh, what Chris was saying, you know, thinking of the hands either pushing down or, or lifting up. Uh, when you, when you're on the wrong side of that, you have every reason to let the things of, of this life uh, rob you of joy, to cause you to spend all your time worrying, basically just get dragged down. And as you look to the future, if if you're not in Christ and you're not being held up and supported by God, then there's no light, there's no hope. And so, I mean, what kind of existence is that, really? Uh, and that's why people who have the the mentality that, well, this life is all there is, well, I might as well just live it up then, right? I might as well get involved in everything that feels good or seems good or looks good uh, to the eyes and the flesh. But understanding that there is more to us than just this flesh and blood uh, that possess a soul and a spirit made in the image of God, and that that soul and spirit is going to live eternally one place or another, and that we have this amazing opportunity because God is love and merciful. Uh, you know, <laughs> once he created us and, you know, man chose to be disobedient, he could have just said, well, so much for that, you know, uh, and just cast us away forever. But he had this plan even in his mind from the beginning, we're told in the scriptures that uh, he was going to demonstrate the power of love and how it is more powerful than any other force in existence. And um, we have the opportunity, if we're willing to forsake things that cause our hearts to be filthy and dirty and to embrace the perfection of God and strive for that, that we can have a light at the end of the tunnel and we can have a light upon us even in this life that as we go through the difficulties of life, um, we can do so with with our heads held high as it were and, and we, we can even utilize the, the negative things of, of this life that we all inevitably will face. We can use those to even grow stronger and more mature and be molded and shaped into a more perfect image of, of our Savior. So that's kind of what I think of as far as the joy of the Lord. It's being able to have that enthusiasm and that smile on our face, even when everything around us might be on fire. You've seen that, that meme of the dog sitting in the house that's all burning and he's like, this is fine. Well, <laughs> for, for a Christian, that's kind of like what, what it is a lot of the time. You know, everything is, is on fire, but 
we have this peace within us. You know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 talks about don't be anxious for anything. Take everything to God. Trust in God. Depend on him, and you'll have this peace that passes all understanding that will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and that's, that's a – you can't find that anywhere else in anything that exists in, in all of creation. Well, you know, and if you don't take a shower uh, one day, two day, two weeks, you start to smell. But if you don't take a shower a long time, guess who else uh, has problems? Everybody <laughs> around you, right? So dirt, like dirt and stink and smelly, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody else. And, you know, when you let's imagine one man in the world, only he's the only one who could take a shower. He would be always happy every day. He'd be like, ah, oh, so great. So everybody else would start to go down more. They'd be like stinky. You know, so. When you have like your sand, Devin, that that cleanness in a dirty world, uh, it's not about that cleanness so we can be better than people and we can think, look down on people. It's that cleanness to say, look, I got a shower at my house. Go get a shower. It's free. You know, mm -hmm. and you got to tell people about it because your joy is coming from that cleanness that you have, that you don't have to be held back and held down by that bad past that you had. You are free from that past. Like you said, when you're dirty, you got a stain on you and people start judging you by that stain. Well, what power do people have to judge? None. Only God has the power to judge. And when he wipes you clean, who cares what other people say? He's the one judging us, isn't he? What do you think, Robert? Ben, what do you guys got to say? When I first look at God, the joy of God's salvation, I would challenge anyone, look at the conversion accounts in the book of Acts. Uh, this, specifically, the one that I think of is in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian nobleman and how it literally says in the scriptures, he went on his way rejoicing after he had obeyed the gospel. And if you look at those accounts, there's always some form of joy and happiness associated with. Uh, I've kind of wondered after reading that, why aren't we throwing some sort of like giant massive parties when someone is baptized for the remission of their sins? I, I try to throw out there how, you know, we're rejoicing with the angels in heaven. And, you know, that, that that's true, Acts 15. But you, you couple that with what Devin just mentioned a few moments ago from Philippians, the, the joy book and the joy of God's salvation. We recently concluded a study through this book during COVID um, because it's like, hey, it's kind of stealing a lot of our joy. Maybe we should study through it. And you realize that if through the inspired writer, God needed to communicate to this group of people to remind them about rejoicing in God and the joy of God, then I'm just like them. Uh, I need to be, if joy is being robbed from me, I'm just like the Philippians. I am a Philippian because all these things are trying to come in and take us the off. It is joy found in the Lord. And in the gospel, the chapter one is all about the gospel of Christ and the joy found in there. And so the joy of God's salvation is something that motivates us. As Paul would say, we are in a win-win situation. Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It, you can say whatever you want about me. You can take my own life. I get to work here as long as I'm alive for him. You take my life. I get to be with him. You're not going to rob it from me, but that's easier said than done to adapt that. And mm -hmm. so that's where if you look at the next part of how does God uphold me in his spirit, I'm reminded of what Jesus, what we read about Jesus and his teachings in John 10. 
and John 10 talks about the good shepherd. He calls you by name. He goes about that. But there's a little phrase or section in there that talks about how um, he brings you into the protective hand of his father. And that's just an awesome thought. As y'all have already talked about, it's not that he's not there. He, he's present. He, he's there. But what happens when I decide to leave that protective hand that no man mm -hmm. can pluck me out, but I can just walk right out of that protective hand. And that's mm -hmm. where all of a sudden, oops, I fall. And I realize I'm not protected. I, I've, I've allowed that to get away from me. And it, it's that being knowledgeable of God's spirit and being reminded constantly, why did I decide to be a Christian in the first place? But let me, uh, those of you who may be watching this and those of us who are all here, let's challenge ourselves every so often, rewind the tapes and go back to when you obeyed the gospel. I like to encourage folks that if I'm involved in their coming to Christ, write a letter to yourself about everything that you're doing, how you feel your relationship is with God, how what, what you're doing right now so that later on you can revisit it because you're going to need to revisit it. Why? Because I need to know what that joy of God's salvation is. I need to be reminded of that spirit that made, I mean, could I don't know very many people who after they come up out of the waters of baptism, they're like, okay, I can go toe to toe with Satan right now. And there ain't no way he's, he's winning because I'm on fire. I'm unstoppable. And there's nothing he can do. Take me to heaven right now. God uh, would be the attitude that exists there with a lot, a lot of folks, but Satan knows that, which is why he doesn't come at us immediately. It's over the time that he puts us through the situations and temptations and we give in to them, that we find ourselves in the exact situation as David. My joy has been robbed and I need to remember what it's like to tap into the spirit that I know that is around me of God and allow him to uphold me. And that is a beautiful thought and image. And the best thing of how to tap back into that, that I know is, Try to remember when you obeyed the gospel, mm -hmm. what that means. Maybe what it felt like to take the Lord's Supper for the first time. How significant that was, because that's a memorial for us to remember, to try to mm -hmm. tap back into our covenant relationship with him. Um, and those are things that he's already put in place to try to help us. But I think one of the benefits between this COVID season is because we're having to do things differently. We're once again being reminded of the importance of what we're doing in ways that we may have never expected. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at Jesus, right? Anytime you want to look at someone, look at Jesus, God's son who gave himself for us. You know, that's, that's such, a, such a sacrifice to look at someone like that uh, and, and who, who loves us that much. And by the way, the baptism thing, you should do the baptism party. In fact, it, imagine imagine if you're a whole church of like 20, 30, whatever, 100, went to a restaurant, had a big celebration, and people are like, what's going on? Well, this guy just <laughs> became a Christian, man. And they're like, what? That'd be awesome. Something to think about there. Ben, any uh, thoughts on this one before we go to the next one? Uh, so he wants God back on his side and uh, wants to be in that back in that right relationship with the Lord, such as we all do. I think if we realize that we are in a sinful state, we have a sinful a sin problem. We need to fix this. How do I do it? You know, so we look to the only one that can do it, right? We look to the Lord. And, you know, David's here and he wants he wants that joy back. 
um, but he can't return to doing the works of the Lord with this wickedness on his heart. And, you know, just like we can't, we can't return to being in a right state, acting like we're in a right state with the Lord, worshiping him and being found pleasing in his sight uh, in doing that if we haven't fixed things. And, you know, um, fixing that problem, then there can be, you know, we, we have to have that change first, that commitment uh, back to the Lord, and then we can go to serving the Lord. Instead, you know, we tend to push the opposite. You know, we push people to uh, hop in and hope that the change will come over time, right? And that's not necessarily the case. They need to make that change first and then, you know, uh, continue in the Lord. Well, that, hey, man, that goes, that goes right in, and you can keep going with that into the next question, which is why and how does someone with a clean heart and right <clears throat> spirit teach transgressors? Like, why would they and how do they do that? This is great. So you've got that pure heart stuff. Why are they doing that? Keep going with that one. Why, why, why do it? Why, why do you have all, cause at the end it said, it says um, all these things. And what is David's goal? It, it, all this stuff, uh, purify, clean heart, renew my spirit, uh, restore the joy, uphold the glorious spirit. He says, then I will teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted to thee. So Ben, right. what do you, you're going right into that one, man. You're, you're coming right. Into so that how one. can we, how can we go out and teach others and then believe us? And uh, if we are living a lifestyle of sin, right, and they see that, right, it would be kind of hypocritical. Who's, who's going to listen to us if we are not walking in, you know, in the light, if we're not living for the Lord and it's not seen because they're going to see Jesus through us. We're reflecting him. We need to be in alignment with him um, so we can shine brighter. And um, if we're not in alignment with him, if we're not in a righteous state with him, then that's going to be seen. I mean, people are going to they see our our. Our lives, our actions, how we speak, how we carry ourselves, and that's noted. You know, they they realize these things, and when they see someone that's pure, and man, this this guy, I can't believe it. This guy is, you know, completely doing all the right things. I've just never seen someone like him. He's different, you know, set apart, and that's how we're supposed to be as Christians, right? So that they recognize that, and they go, man, I kind of want to be what this guy is, you know. So it's 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 uh, you're being an example for them. I think about uh, Paul, you know, going back to that example with him is he's done all these things. He's persecuted Christians. And even even upon uh, meeting Jesus on the road, he still wasn't saved. He had to he goes and prays for three days. He's fasting. He's in this this really horrid state, you know, and uh, Ananias comes to him. He's baptized. He does obey the Lord and he's completely committed. And yet still Christians, you know, because of his actions were, you know, when you come in contact with them, they're kind of like standoffish. Oh, well, that, that, that's the guy that was killing Christians, right? So, you know, they had to vouch for him and go, hey, no, no, he's changed. He's changed, right? So they have to see that change. And they have to realize that you've really changed, that you're really living it. And they're going to see that in your life. And it's going to come, you know, cause them or influence them to change as well. Well, do we like to hang out with people who are joyful are always complaining and angry and, and un- unhappy. Who do we like to hang out Absolutely. with? <laughs> yeah. I'm going, I'm going to heaven. Eh. You know, that, that's, that's not what you want. You want someone to say, man, we're going to heaven. Are you going to go? Let's go right now. You know, that's who you want. Devin, Chris, what do you guys got? Robert. I got three words for you. The Holy Spirit is the center of this entire passage. Because of David's soft heart, and his open and willing spirit, he has received the Holy Spirit. And in verse 11, he said, do not cast me away from your presence 
and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You talked about, Robert talked about all those conversions and acts and rejoicing. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if any of the four of you guys think you know the full extent of what that means, you lie. There's not a single person who can tell They can tell me it's just the Bible. You're wrong about that. He is God. He's the Holy Spirit. And when I become a Christian, there is a relationship. I'll be careful here. I won't go all indwelling on you. But there is a relationship that begins in your spirit with the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 1, he has been given to you as a pledge, as a view, as a down payment, as a new you with a new hope, with a new relationship. In Romans 8, everybody struggles with Romans 8. Romans 8, I have an intercessor. I have someone who works with me, who cultivates my spirit, who gives me hope, gives me vision, helps me correspond with God. I have, I'm not going to say he's like in me, portioned up. I'm, I don't, I don't want to get kicked out before this thing is over. Almost done. Uh. <laughs> but I have been given the Holy Spirit of God and he lives in me. And the connection we have, that's my message. My message to those around me is how is your spirit doing without the Holy Spirit? How is your carnal life affecting your insights, who you are, what you believe, what you feel, where you're going? Because if everything you've tried has failed, it's because it's just your spirit doing it and not the Holy Spirit doing it. You right. need his gift, whatever you say that is. You need that gift. You need his intercessor work. You need his down payment. You need his view of heaven. And look, guys, I'm just telling you, I was raised in the church. I'm a conservative preacher. We put quotation marks. We have we have stripped the Holy Spirit down into this small person way over there that throws pages at you in the form of an airplane. And the only way you know him is when you read one. Stop it. I have been given the Holy Spirit of God, and that's what the pages that he gave me are not him. They're the way I find out how to get him, get connected to him, fueled right. by him. Yeah. I'm living by the power of the Holy Spirit, guys. That's it. What can stop me now? And man, that's you don't think the world needs that. The world has learned that of their own power, they can do nothing that matters or nothing that holds while the divorces, while the suicides, while the stuff, because on your best day without the Holy spirit, it's fickle and passing Holy spirit right. eternal. And I think that's the key. And that was just three words. Holy <laughs> <laughs> spirit. I know that's Chris. See, Chris is passionate about it. And, um, you know, what, what those of you who are listening and watching, if you think we know more than you, we don't. Like we are Amen. all walking together, you know, um, we, we know nothing. And all we know, as Paul says, is Christ and him crucified. All we really know, everybody, is that Jesus, the son of God, actually came, actually lived, actually did miracles, actually died and actually rose from the dead. And that's what we know. And that's what we're grounded in. And then we struggle with all the other things we learn. But you know what? We're struggling because we love God and we want to go and be next to him. And he says, you know, walk. Jesus said, follow me. So Chris has good stuff. And these are things we have to think about because he's passionate about it. And he feels this is something that we've forgotten about, you know, and by the way, 
when David's talking about the Holy Spirit, he's talking about the Spirit in the obviously the Spirit in the tabernacle too. You know, like when God removed His Spirit from the tabernacle in the AD seventy, uh, you know, He He removed His Spirit. Or whatever. There was the, there's a thing that happened. He removes His Spirit from the place He removes Himself. He's no longer a part of you. He's no longer with you. You see, David is saying, if you're not in me, I'm not in you. And so that's the point. I think that um, Chris is saying is like God works within us through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. If it's not within you, you can't work with God. You have to have that. You have to have a part of you. It has to be a part of you. So I really I, I appreciate that, Chris. Thanks for that passion. You know, you, you, you came around. First, you did donuts, which is kind of light. And now he comes around <laughs> with the Holy Spirit. So. In fact, I should know it was coming, right? Like Robert did. It was the hole. The hole in the donut it was going to the Holy Spirit. I did it. Whoa. <laughs> That's it. I like to piggyback off of Chris's comments there. Sure, um, sure. What, what you were talking about there, about the spirit motivating, that's what I was referring to whenever someone obeys the gospel and you see that joy that's there. We may not be able to fully understand or be able to fully explain everything, um, you know, there's a certain realm of grace and Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29, where the secret things belong to God. But with that same thought, who is going to be the best person to teach a transgressor than someone who recognizes they once were one? Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to find it. Um, and maybe some of you might be able to find that. I remember when Jesus was at Simon's house. And and there's a woman that comes in, creates a big scene, and he's thinking in his mind, if this, if Jesus just knew who this woman was, then he he would not allow her to be touching him, kissing his feet, pouring the perfume, doing all this stuff to him. And does this? I thought he was a prophet. And then he proceeds to tell the the parable of, well, there's a guy and he owes a debt. Or he has two guys that owe a debt to him. One owes a minuscule amount that could basically a, a year's wages versus someone who's gonna has like a hundred years wages. And I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, I, I can't find the exact passage to say, it, but y'all, hopefully, y'all, those that are online can uh, take enough of this story. Simon and Jesus and a woman, study it out for yourselves. Don't take my word for it. Um, but you find in this situation, he asks Simon who is going to appreciate the the clearing of the debt more well the person that owed more <laughs> and so think about who are the best people to help those who suffer from addiction who are the best people to help alcoholics who are the best people to uh, help those who have struggled with narcotic addiction or sexual addiction or whatever those things that they go through and Paul reminds the Corinthians uh, or reminds us in his letters and, and such were some of you. Why would he remind that we have all been in the boat of being a sinner at some point and our motivation, if I truly appreciate being cleansed of my sin, Hey buddy, you, you, you come here. You got the same problem I do. Let's talk about Jesus. Yeah. You want help with that? Let's talk. Let me show you what I've done. And it's automatic, natural evangelism that we're on fire for normally when we first become a Christian. But over time, things seem to fizz out. And I appreciate being on this because I'm getting fired up now. Let, let's go outside. It's dark outside. I'm sure no one will bring harm to me uh, right now. But uh, 
you know, it's that spirit that gets fired up because you're reminding yourself all those things are going on and we may not be able to fully understand it, but that's part of the reason why Christian fellowship is so vital and important. Mm -hmm. Iron sharpens iron brothers. Well, Hey, who overcame everything? Like if, if we overcame alcoholism and we overcame drugs or pornography, we overcame it imperfectly. Jesus overcame it perfectly. He crushed it like no one else. Like if he was tempted by alcohol, he crushed it. Pornography, he crushed it. You see, that's the guy we point to. We don't say, hey, I overcame pornography. No, we say Jesus overcame pornography. I follow him and he did it. And he's he's amazing. And he's the one that does it. It's not me. It's not little tips and trick I, tricks I have. You know, and, and, and you might fall again. But Jesus mm -hmm. will never fall. So we have a perfect person to fall because a lot of times with addiction stuff, people follow the person and that person goes back into it because they think I'm the one that can help you get out of addiction. Jesus is the one that gets us out of addiction. And you know what's cool about that story, Robert, is whether you sin or have murdered a thousand people to God, you're the same. Amen. You see, the debt we've been forgiven, sometimes we think our debt's only a year's wages. We don't realize it's a billion years wages. We think, well, you know, I'm not as bad as this guy, or I'm not bad as that person, but really what we've been forgiven is an infinite amount. So if we can remember that, then we can be on fire. Like you said, we can be on fire because we don't, if a guy, you meet a guy and he's murdered people, we don't go, that guy murdered people. That's terrible. No, God's like, if you judge him that way, I'm going to judge you the same way. You lied one time in your life. You're terrible because you have separated yourself from me. So we got to remember that. Good job, Robert. I love it. The Holy Spirit's in here, guys. <laughs> well, well, think about taking that to the next step just for one moment. We, we brought it to uh, addiction. Mm -hmm. Let's bring it into the Christian fellowship yeah. of what you just said a moment ago of they, someone might look up to someone and they fall and they fail. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to go around the room or anything, but how many people did we look up to spiritually who at some point or another falls or fails? Mm -hmm. And we look to we look to Paul even as he follows Christ. In the church, mm -hmm. people are gonna be imperfect. We can go to them for advice to get some wisdom, get some other things, but we allow that grace. So it's not just in those things. This applies and even if we wanna, as you said, God sent a sin. And so that even applies to the church is nothing more than a bunch of sinners in recovery. So let's uh mm -hmm. let's act like it, brother. Yeah, it's it's sinners following Jesus, you know. It's Amen. The, yeah. That's the argument you hear a lot of times from the world is, you know, or from people that fall away, maybe even is that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not going back there. They're all hypocrites, you know, and this, that, and the other, because they've seen a few of them stumble and fall here and there. And they've seen them, you know, they've seen them still fighting to stay aboard the boat. You know, like they, they keep coming to the, car, the church despite having or keep coming assembling with the saints, you know, to instead of uh, even when they're having some struggles in their life, maybe they're they're fighting through this thing that they're, you know, struggling with. You know, I think Brother Mosier, uh, one of my teachers, um, always said something to the effect of uh, the easiest sin to commit is the ones we've already committed, right, to fall back into. Uh, maybe that's why he brings those things up in Corinthians is that it's so easy for us to fall back into those sins we've already done. That's where habitual beings, you know, we made these habits of these sins in the past. And then, you know, here it is. We're fighting to live for the Lord and change. And, oh, here comes that temptation that we've already done before. Oh, I've already done it before. Why not? You know, we or you know, it's more appealing to us. Whatever the case may be, you know, we each have our own struggles that are more focused with us. You know, that we personally uh, struggle with. You know, yeah. so these things. 
are difficult, you know. They are. And Devin, you're going to get to talk in a sec. I can tell you're ready. Um, yeah. you <laughs> Hold on a sec. One sec. One sec. One sec. One sec. Real quick, those of you listening, I'm sure all of us agree on this panel. We are not perfect. We will mess up. If you follow us, you will fail. Okay. So when you start, when we, when we look at other people and say, I'm not going to be this because of that person, you shouldn't. But if you look at Jesus and say, I'm going to be a Christian because of that guy, you should. So if you're following people and you go to a church or something and there's people bite, you know, backbiting and doing all the things worldly people do, that's not Jesus, folks. You see, Jesus is who they're trying to follow and they don't follow him well sometimes. I don't follow him well at all, many times. So you got to forgive us if we you've looked at us as Jesus because we're not. You got to learn about Jesus, okay? Go read the Bible and read about Jesus. See who this guy is that all these people are messing up following, but they're still following. They're still trying. They're not just giving up and drowning. They're still struggling for that boat where Jesus is to reach for his hand, mm -hmm. right? So, Devin, go ahead, man. I uh, just thinking I do this a lot when there's there's a group. I kind of sit back and like absorb and then, <laughs> and then I'll have something to say like here and there. But uh, I, I was just thinking about how true it is that we, we have to remember that you know, we get into trouble and the, David going back to the psalm that we're looking at and everything that happened with him. Why did why did all that happen? Well, I would submit that it's because David started thinking too highly of David. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, in Ephesians chapter six, starting about verse 10, we're told by the Apostle Paul to put on the armor of the Lord. Right. And he goes through and talks about all the different pieces and parts of the armor, but he tells us before he even gets into any of that, he says, stand in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might. Mm -hmm. The strength, we don't have the strength. That, that's why we're all sinners. We're weak. The strength is God's. The strength is Christ. We have to tap into his strength. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was thinking also about, um, uh, again, Paul in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about this thorn in the flesh that he had. And he, he goes to God. He, he's kind of expressing, you know, three different times he, he went to God and just pleaded with God, please you know, remove this from me. You know, it's a hindrance to me. And God's response was, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in hmm. weakness. And I think that's a powerful thing to stop and think about. Yeah. Um, e even if we have uh, some kind of physical hindrance, if we have the strength of God, we can still be shining the light and we can still be the salt of the earth. And, you know, think about think about some of these like movies that we see or stories where some of the most inspiring stories are people who have some kind of limitation. But despite that limitation, they push through it and they accomplish great things. And we, we get so inspired by that. You know, maybe you think of an athlete or something and they have one leg, but yet they competed in the Olympics and won a medal or something like that. But we're all kind of like that in a spiritual sense. We're all kind of deformed and maimed and messed up because, because that's what sin does. But yet through Christ, we can be more than conquerors. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really powerful thing. And it's, it's really a very humbling thing that we all need to keep in mind that uh, it's God's strength that can create this pure and clean heart and motivate us then to 
inspire others to likewise pursue that same path. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because it, it is by the power of God, isn't it? And his spirit and his son. All right. That's good, Devin. Thank you. We're going to get to this week's challenge now. Okay. Um, and I was, by the way, I was inspired by this verse because if David's trying to do all this, get a pure heart, uh, get a renewed spirit, get right with God. So what? He can teach those who are who, who are transgressors. He can, he, the, the sinners can turn away. He's like, I can't help these people if I can't be pure and right. So this week's challenge is this. Um, let's all ask God, because that's who we ask, for a clean heart and a right spirit. That's what David did, right? Let's use his example. Now, if you're not a Christian and you, you don't know who Jesus is, um, talk to us. Read the Bible. All of us are online. I put links. Message anybody on this panel here because they will be happy to help you. We want you to be right with God through Jesus Christ. You have to do it. It says, Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, the life. There's no way to come to the Father except through me. So you, you have to know Jesus to know God. And so that's why I say, if you have a question, let us know. But it, let's say you are a Christian, okay? And, you're, and you've walked with God. Maybe you've gotten colder. Maybe you're on fire. Either way, um, let's all ask God for a clean heart and a right spirit. Then when we have it, when we ask for that, asking in faith, let's share our joy of salvation with others. This week, I commit us all and myself, or I would ask you all, let's be joyful about our salvation. Do you really believe that you're saved? Do you really believe you're God, you know God, the creator of the universe, and he knows you and that he loves you and that you'll see him again if you die today? So if we have that joy, tell someone, anyone, everyone, God loves them this week and say, I do it because Jesus loves me. That's how I know. Because see people, we were at a thing in a laundromat and a lady was there and we we helped people. And um, she she was she didn't take the money and she said, you know, I want to know what your reason is. What's your ulterior motive? You have to have a motive, right? For helping people. There's got to be a reason. And I, I you know, you know, people like that, they're bitter or they they think you're trying to manipulate like some religions do. I said, um, our motive is love. That's it. No strings attached. I said, we have seen how Jesus loves us. And he, he is, he's, that love has, has called us to love other people, his example. And she's like, so at the end, we talked for a little while. She's, you know, her name was a certain name from the Bible. Her, all her family was kind of biblical. And she did all things. She was very grounded or knew about God, but she just turned away from God. And at the end, she said, you know what? Thank you for showing me this real thing that you do. That it's not, there's no strings attached. And I was, and I told the people I was with, I said, see, that's why we go out. We want to show people real Christians real Jesus followers who are living like Jesus and loving like Jesus, not to have some cue in their church building. You know, hey, I got five more people. High five. No, it's not <laughs> about that. It's about loving people so powerfully that it breaks their broken heart and heals it back together with Jesus, that light in the darkness. So here we go, folks. Tell everyone, anyone you can, God loves them. I know it's hard sometimes, but why is it hard? Maybe we should ask ourselves that. What do you guys got? Uh, real quick, what do you guys got about this challenge? Anything specific? We'll just go through real quick. I'm on the left here of my screen, so I'll get out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I love this idea of passion for the lost. You know, the heart was a key for David from the very beginning. He identified, we talk about that donut, he identified that there was something wrong in the middle. But you know who the ultimate donuts were in Scripture? Pharisees. These guys were all about the law, and we got it right, and we know what we're doing. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't care about anybody. They didn't right. truly love a relationship with God. They didn't love anybody. And so in Matthew 9, Jesus said, go get out your Old Testaments and go see what this means. I desire compassion and not just all this junk you're doing. Yep. And, Matthew, that, and by the way, that had to do with the lost. 
They were like, why are you sitting there at Matthew's house with all those sinners? Yeah. In Matthew 12, they turned their anger towards fellow believers. Any of the grain heads, the whole deal. He said, go read it again. I desire mercy, compassion, and not sacrifice. What a beautiful study from Hosea 6. And the idea from Hosea 6 was, God said, I don't just want you to do the right stuff. I want you to want to know me. I yeah. want you to love me. And I want you in Matthew 9 to love the lost. And I want you in Matthew 12 to love the brethren. Hosea 6, love me. Matthew 9, love the lost. Matthew 12, love your brethren. And, you know, two things about this, and I'll get out of the way. Even when the Pharisees were right, when they were actually making legitimate arguments, they were dead wrong because it was just sprinkles. They didn't have the true internal purpose behind it. But you know what's really weird about it? Most of the time they were what? Totally wrong. They were wrong in Matthew 9 about sitting with tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> they were wrong in Matthew 12. Jesus' disciples did not violate it. One of the cool things that will happen for you if you start working on your heart if you start working on your relationship with God, your closeness to God, your Holy Spirit connection, your emotions, which is kind of what we mean by heart, you may find out that all that junk you've been saying and those positions you've been pushing, you weren't even right about those. Right. Like once you actually started loving people and listening to them and actually learning stuff, you may realize because I didn't have a heart, I just kept pushing the stuff the preachers taught me my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what I was talking about. The answer to better living is a pure heart. I was going to say better. I was going to say the answer to better living is better loving. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> it's on fire. All right, mean? Chris. Chris, what are you going to do this week, man? Tell us, man. Hold yourself to something. Man, Ten people. Well, you know, I've got a new podcast to record. You guys know okay. I have to sell some more podcasts. So I think I will okay. probably take some of the cool stuff you guys said and put it together in that. I just preached yesterday on those texts and try to get people to think more from the heart. And I'm just going to love people and listen. If I'll just do more loving and listening, mm -hmm. I'll probably do some learning. And I just have this idea that if I love, listen, and learn, I probably can help them grow in Jesus. But if I skip those steps, nobody's going to listen to me anyway. So I'm on a personal mission to do that better, guys. All right. Awesome. All right, Robert, how about you? All right. So... If I can get the gist of this, since we started with a donut, that uh, our this challenge helps us to don't be the donut, and that we need to be a blueberry scone, <laughs> because the blueberry scone is delicious. There's no hole in it, and if you want to, it brings joy because there is blueberry, which is fruit and good for you. Um, or at least that's my excuse for eating it. Um, <laughs> um, but this is truly a challenge that uh, it can apply to anyone. Mm -hmm. Whether you are a Christian, whether you're cur curious about Christianity and want to look at it further, this challenge is something that can meet us face to face and draw us closer to God. And that is something I want to encourage everyone as you look at this, because it's a continual pursuit. Christianity, as I've been told by those older than, and wiser than me, is not about perfection. It's about direction, because our direction brings us closer to his perfection, not because of anything I do, but because of him, because of that love, because of everything that exists there. And this is part of how that goes. I realize that I'm not perfect. 
when I see that I'm in that protective hand, when I'm in the room, that his spirit is there and, and around me, I realize that the only thing that has made me valuable is because of Jesus. Jesus gives me my value. Amen. And because of that, he tells me I'm worth more than this world. Mm-hmm. Let that be in your mind. Let that tap you into salvation, whether you need to make some changes and get right with God, and then shout it from the rooftops. Yes. Let it be contagious. That's right. Amen. Ben, thanks, Robert. Ben, what do you got? So don't we all have changes that we need to make? I mean, uh, looking inward, you self-examine, you go, hmm, what's... What's going on today? What's conflicting in my heart? You know, what's causing problems? How can I get closer to Jesus? We're always, we're always to be examining ourselves and making sure we're right with God, seeing where we're at, um, in comparison with the scripture and the the mirror there, and um, we, we're looking to be um, walking in His footsteps, right? Not too far behind, not too far, not getting ahead of Him, uh, which I think is the case. Sometimes we we go off some other direction. Um, and we have to reevaluate and go, man, am I, am I in his footsteps? Am I still walking in his footsteps? Is there something that's going on that's keeping me from him? And, you know, make that right. Make that right step step back. Uh, David, you know, pledges to do better here in the following verses, uh, 14 to 17. You know, he pledges to do better. And, and, and he says, I'm going to rejoice and, you know, sing God praises the Lord and, and tell everybody of Jesus and uh, of the Lord, you know, of God, you know, and, um, he realizes that the Lord's not looking for um, just some rituals or just some hearsay. I can say all oh, this, but then not go do something. Um, Jesus, what does he say in Matthew 28? Go ye. Uh, so I think if we realize the uh, importance of souls, we realize how much Jesus gave for these souls, um, the value of a soul, right? And, and we go out and do what Jesus said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, tell them, Tell them of me. Tell them the good news. Tell them that they can have salvation, that they can be released from this burden of sin, and that they can live for me in this short period of time that's like a vapor and Mm. then have an eternity with me, with God in heaven, you know, in this beautiful place and and, uh, glorify him and and praise him for eternity. It's just a a beautiful thought. And we, we need to refocus on him, focus on heaven, focus on our goal and um, try to get there and help others too. That's good, Ben. And Devin, you're going to wrap us up with uh, with what you say with the closing prayer too, but I'll say something real quick. Uh, Chris, I loved it. Uh, that's always hit me uh, when Jesus said, I require, in, in the version I read, mercy, not sacrifice. See, mercy mm-hmm. is to say, what do you pray when you pray? Uh, with the, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, Lord, forgive us our sins or debts as we forgive those who sin against us. If we hold any debt or any sin against anyone, we're not forgiving. And he says, if you don't forgive, my father won't forgive you because it's about our heart, isn't it? So this week, I would like to envision myself walking with Jesus everywhere I go. If he was next to me and I was ordering some coffee, what would he do that I don't do now? (laughs) (laughs) Apart from turning water into coffee, maybe, or something, then everybody would be a a miracle. (laughs) But I mean, like, what what would he do? Like, or Paul, let's say or uh, Stephen, you know, or, or Peter, or whoever, what would they do differently than what I do now? 
And I, I like to use Jesus the most because he's perfect. So wouldn't he look mm-hmm. for the wouldn't he look for the people around him and say, is there anybody who looks like they're suffering? Is there anybody sad? Is there anybody who looks like they need something that I can help them with? Because isn't that how he helped people? He healed people. He healed them physically, but really he healed them spiritually. So we approach people, I think, the best when we heal them or help them in the way we can physically. And then they're open to the spiritual, aren't they? If you just go up to somebody at the, at the coffee shop and say, you're going to hell, don't you want to know how to get to heaven? They're going to be like, uh. But if you go <laughs> to someone and say, say they're looking for change and you go, hey, you, I get your coffee for you. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, why would you do that? Because I'm a mm-hmm. Christian. Because Jesus taught me to love people. Like, I, I don't know how to do this. I learned from Jesus. That is going to how, how you connect with people, isn't it? By your love, they shall know that you are my disciples. I'll leave it at that. Devin, you're up. Um, just thinking about, you know, it's a personal challenge. It should be mm-hmm. every day. Uh, I alluded to Ephesians 6 earlier, and I've made this point in countless sermons. Congregations probably sick of hearing me use it. But, uh, um, <laughs> You know, we we make a point every morning. If we're going out somewhere, uh, even if we're just going to be around the house, we, we, we put clothes on, right? We clothe ourselves. Um, we don't walk around with with without that. We recognize the significance and importance of it. But how often do we get up and start through our day and we don't give a second thought about equipping the, the armor of, of God? And I can remember growing up, and of course it's it's found in the Bible, uh, in the book of Revelation, you know, John, a couple different occasions says, Lord, come quickly. And sometimes you'll hear people say that in a prayer. And I remember as a, as a young boy, I'd hear people say that, and it kind of was like, I, I don't know if I want to say amen to this prayer. <laughs> I don't know if I'm really ready for him to come quickly. You know, like maybe I want to do some things or I'm not really, you know, living right or... Um, it's kind of can be a scary thing, but if we, if we start the day, like if you wake up every morning and this is just something I've been thinking of just recently, so I thought I would share it, but what a difference would it make in our personal commitment and not just our commitment to try and be pure, but to, to share what we know with others who need to hear it. If we woke up and we said, what if this is my last day? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, what if at the end of the day, Jesus is going to return? Am I going to be ready to meet him? Am I going to you know, be running to meet him and, and embrace him? Or or am I going to be, uh, you know, cowering in fear and trying to hide? Um, will he be well pleased with what I do today? And I think if we kind of start each day with that thought, maybe that will help us avoid some of the the pitfalls of sin that we often get get uh, wrapped up in and be more effective in the work of the kingdom. Amen. Journaling in the morning, Devin, is a powerful way to do that, man. Before you do anything else, you get a booklet open, something, you read a chapter, you take some notes, you write out prayers to God, and you plan something spiritual for the day. I've been doing the Excel Still More Journal for 15 months. Not a single morning has passed in 15 months that I have not prayed with the pencil, read the word and noted it, which often comes right after writing prayers and then just plan out something like we can't live a day for Christ 
if you don't start the day with Christ and you don't have to get that journal or whatever, but you, you have to do something. You, you just really do. That's, I'm really glad you said that, Devin. I think that's dead on the, dead on the head on that. Amen. Yeah, and before you eat your donut, read the Bible. Before you have your juice smoothie, read the Bible. Yeah, before you wear my donuts. Come yeah, on. yeah. All right, De Devin. Thanks, guys. First of all, thank you all for being here. It's been awesome. Uh, I love it hanging out with Christian brothers, and I, I look forward to meeting you in real life, but also in heaven, Lord willing. Um, Devin, you're up, man. Why don't you take us out with some prayer, uh, closing prayer here? Sure thing. That's all. Let's all bow. Father in heaven, we're so thankful that we've had this opportunity to connect with with one another. Uh, what a blessing it is to be able to speak and and converse with our fellow Christians who are across the globe. It reminds us of how amazing your kingdom is and how that it has truly no borders and what a blessing and honor it is to be able to be a are thankful that we've had the the time this evening or or afternoon or morning i guess depending on where we are on this planet but this time that we've had to look into your word and to consider some things that are recorded for us there we know that you have breathed out your word for the purpose of us meditating upon it and um, studying it applying it and we would certainly ask father for wisdom that we might apply your word always in the proper way that we would be able to not just look at it as a an exercise in thought but that we would recognize its ability to truly transform our lives and uh, transform transform the lives of others as well we pray that you would bless each of us as we strive to be a light in this world and to show love towards our fellow man. Help us, especially in, in these days that it seems so much hate is, is prevalent all around us. Help us to be that refreshing source of kindness towards our neighbor, towards a coworker, towards somebody who so desperately needs it and uh, help us to be able to lead more souls to you. Uh, we, again, just are so thankful that we've had this opportunity. Pray that we would be able to have many more. Um, but we also, Father, uh, we long for the day in which your son will return. I long to be with you. And we do pray that you would come quickly. We love you, Father, and we ask all these things if they'd be in accordance with your will. And it's through Christ we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.